Welcome to HealthCast, the heartbeat of health IT. I'm Alexander Bolova, production lead at GovCIO Media and Research. With me today is senior researcher, Sarah Seibert. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Alex. So you had the opportunity to speak with Neil Evans, chief officer of the Office of Connected Care at VHA, and I believe he is also the senior advisor to the CIO OIT at VA. That's a lot of title. It is. Yes, he is a VIP at VA. (laughs) VA VIP. So we saw a massive growth in telehealth at the beginning of the pandemic. How is VA approaching telehealth now that providers are offering in-person care again? Yeah, so telehealth actually existed long before COVID started, but it grew tremendously, as we've seen, out of necessity. So when providers were limiting in-person care because of the pandemic, it was essential that patients could still meet with providers. So now, even though in-person care is being offered again, telehealth isn't going anywhere. The focus is on improving delivery of telehealth services and ensuring it's equitable. So Evans will discuss how VA is focusing on security, data management, closing the digital divide, and more to make healthcare an option for everyone, which can actually improve ease of use and efficiency of healthcare moving forward, even though in-person care is being offered again. Going back a couple of seconds, you mentioned the digital divide. For our listeners who don't know, what is that? Yeah, so digital divide is a term that refers to the gap between demographics and regions that have access to modern technology and those that don't or have restricted access. So this technology could include personal devices like smartphones or internet connectivity, for example. So while telehealth offers providers and patients a more accessible care platform, it's important to ensure that it's accessible for everyone. So Evans will discuss how VA plans to do this in our conversation. Yeah, you know, it is important to think about that digital divide. I know teleworking, you know, I'm on the computer all day and I think of internet and connectivity as being just a given, but I don't know, imagine being in the middle of Wyoming or just somewhere that's a little distant. Yeah, it's good to be reminded of that perspective. So what will the future of this hybrid healthcare model look like? So to simplify it, I think the future of the hybrid healthcare model is using technologies to connect veterans, in this case, since we're talking about VA, to healthcare, whether they're inside a VA medical facility or at home. So moving forward, I think we'll see a lot more initiatives around building trust with patients and providers as they integrate more technology to improve the time and quality of care. I think we'll also see a push to improve information access so veterans can reliably access their VA healthcare records and other key information online. Well, with all of that in mind, let's take a listen to your interview. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Sarah. It's great to be here. Yeah. So last time we spoke was almost a year ago at HIMSS 2022. Uh, You discussed some of your initiatives then, and I wanted to touch base on any progress you've made over the years. So specifically, 
geared towards remote home monitoring, video-based care, telecritical care programs, and other initiatives. What are some of the mile markers you've made over 2022? Yeah, well, um, and I'm glad that you actually mentioned all of those different types of telehealth, or, you know, we think about connected care, telehealth, it's really about using technology to enhance our ability to care for the veterans uh, in the in the VA healthcare system that we're called to serve and to care for them in the most convenient and optimal way including in their home um, optimizing care in our clinics and even optimizing care in our acute care hospitals so you mentioned um, remote home monitoring. You mentioned uh, video-based care, which we can do at home, but also we do video-based care uh, with um, examination capabilities in our clinics. And you mentioned telecritical care, um, our ability to uh, provide 24-7, 365 day synchronous telemedicine support in for the for the the sickest of veterans that we're caring for in our intensive care units across the organization which I guess highlights, I know the question that we're going to get to is about progress over the last year, but it highlights to me how important telehealth is ultimately for healthcare systems in meeting the needs in this modern era of the patients they serve really across the spectrum of care delivery. Um, summarizing some progress from the last um, year in uh, our fiscal year 2022, so from October 21 through October of, um, through the beginning of October of uh, 2022, um, more than 2.3 million veterans received over 11 million episodes of telehealth care. Um, wow. And of those 2.3 million um, veterans and the 11 million episodes of care, over 9.2 million of the 11 million episodes um, were video telehealth care um, into the home. So, and I think if we, and we'll get into this maybe a little bit later, um, if we sort of look at before the pandemic and now, that's a real significant change um, where we're delivering care into the home. Mm -hmm. Many of those other video visits were care in our clinics uh, um, where we're able to connect veterans sometimes in one of our more remote rural clinics with the highly trained subspecialist who can best meet their needs, who may not actually, you know, may not be that, that specialty of care may not be available in the local community, but we can use telehealth to bring it uh, to the veteran where they are. 130,000 veterans enrolled last year in our uh, remote patient monitoring program, uh, tracking their vitals and and other health data from home um, with support from care managers um, in VA to help them navigate their health, often very complicated health issues in their home environment. And then with regard to telecritical care, we continue um, to expand our footprint of telecritical care. Um, we are monitoring 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days with board certified intensive care physicians and highly experienced intensive care nurses, more than 1000 ICU beds across 73 of our facilities. Um, so again, 
um, and that's actually 34 more facilities um, since we began an expansion in 2021. We plan to add another 400 ICU beds under telehealth monitoring um, through from now through the end of calendar year 2023. That's really impressive. And I know you alluded to this in your answer, and we've talked about it on the show before, But VA was uniquely positioned before COVID in terms of telehealth, where you all had capabilities to really ramp up as demand increased. Like one thing that sticks out to me is the two-way black and white television. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I will never forget that. But with the massive expansion of telehealth following COVID, how has VA maintained telehealth quality while keeping pace with demand? Yeah. Well, you mentioned that two-way black and white television. I guess we probably have to provide context now for the <laughs> listener here. Um, you know, the first um, telehealth visit in the VA was in the 1960s um, and uh, was by two-way black and white uh, television, right? So we, uh, which is, and I think I've shared with you a picture of of one of those uh, visits, which is very memorable. Um and when you look at that picture and think about how far we have come with, frankly, how easy it has become for us to connect with each other by video and, you know, video, audio, essentially technology has become a lot easier to, to use. And I don't think that's unique to just healthcare, right? It's across all industries. Telehealth, I mean, the, the, the addition of audio, video, High definition, secure audio video connections um, is transforming um, how how we do business in many industries, but certainly in healthcare. To your point, VA has had been investing in connected care for many many years leading up to the pandemic, and that served as an incredibly strong foundation for us as we faced the unprecedented demand that the and shift to virtual care in the home that the pandemic presented. Just to give you, again, a little bit of a sense of the scale, I think it's helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, if we go back over the course of the pandemic, the last three fiscal years, VA has provided veterans with over 27.9 million telehealth episodes of care. And those are so. This is this is different than the numbers I provided a few minutes ago, but uh, this is specific um, to the really the the time course of the pandemic itself. That's twenty two point seven million video visits to the home. That's a three thousand percent growth rate since before the pandemic. So I, I always find that a little bit like worth sort of pausing a little bit and thinking about. It. We were doing a lot of telehealth into the home before the pandemic. And yet, even with a reasonably, what we thought was a reasonably high baseline, um, we had a 3,000% increase and have completed over 22 million visits to the home since the pandemic. And to your point on the question, a lot of that had to do with that foundation that we had built. We had to adapt uh, with regard to our IT infrastructure to have it scale, but we had the teams in place to help us um, navigate those waters. We 
you know, had to train new clinicians, um, but we again had the training materials and we already had a, a significant number, more than 80% of primary care providers and mental health providers had already participated in video visits prior to the beginning of the pandemic or learned how to use the, 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 the software to do so. Um, and we had a quality management program in place as well to make sure that we were delivering high quality care. And I think that's part of why we're still seeing a sustained demand for care via telehealth and very high levels of satisfaction um, from veterans. More than 85% of veterans reported that they trust VA telehealth as part of their care, which in my mind is a very good news story. Yes, I agree. Those stats are incredible, uh, especially with how fast you pivoted and the growth reported and the satisfaction. So kudos to you and your team. So what tools or services is VA leveraging to secure veterans health data and stay up to date with current IT security standards? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, as we move care uh, as care occurs through technology, and it's not just care that's delivered, it's not just telehealth care, right? It's information. Mm -hmm. Healthcare, in many ways, is about the relationship that we as patients can have with our healthcare teams and providers. It's also about the healthcare information, uh, whether that be our lab results, our imaging results, the opinions of the clinicians that are taking care of us as patients, right? That information is really critical to healthcare, right? And it's part of the, the information that subsequent providers that we see as patients need access to. And, and frankly, that when we as patients are engaged with our own healthcare, understanding our own health data is part of the journey of living a healthier life um, and understanding one's health to be able to manage that in your daily life. And we believe very strongly in the VA that it's important to get veterans their health data in their hands and also to provide them the opportunity to connect with their healthcare teams um, in convenient ways to support their healthcare. But to do that requires technology and it's, it requires an attention to security and to assuring the privacy of that information. So that's you know, absolutely critical. We, um, for, you know, we are, VA.gov is our digital front door for veterans. We want veterans to connect with us in VA.gov and My Healthy Vet um, is the patient portal that is part of that overall experience. We spend a lot of time uh, thinking about how to, appropriately secure that information, but also how to make sure that we're making it as convenient as possible for veterans themselves to access um, their own information. That is, um, we want to make sure that login is that we're putting secure you know, we're making login secure, but also login sufficiently convenient uh, for the individual who should be seeing their healthcare data. And I, you know, one of the things that I'm very excited about is we launched, um, we've recently launched um, a mobile app, VA Health and Benefits um, app is the way to find it on the Android App Store or the um, Apple App Store that now leverages our secure, uh, it, we can use our 
our secure login credentials to log in. But once you've logged in using uh, the multi-factor authentication, you're able to then persist that login and use biometric uh, connections like you know fingerprint or face identification um, to persist um, one's login over 90 days. So that's really improving the convenience of accessing information for veterans while simultaneously um, being you know, holding to the high standards from an information security standpoint. Um, for telehealth, um, our video visits are all encrypted end to end. One of the things I actually love from when we talk about um, IT security and talk about privacy with telehealth is when, it, when we're doing video telehealth, it's, it's actually from a privacy standpoint, it's actually easier for me as a physician, as a provider, to have a good sense for the security uh, or for the privacy of the visit when I have when we have a two-way um, video going on. So, in other words, uh, on a telephone, I have on the telephone I have to identify and make sure that I'm talking to the right person and ask for some identifying um, information to make sure that I'm talking to the right person. I don't know who else is in the room with that veteran when I'm speaking to them, uh, but with video. Um, particularly for the patients I've been seeing for many years, we have a, an encrypted end-to-end -end connection, and I'm actually able to verify because right there in front of me is the patient that I expect to be there, and I can also tell whether they are in a, in a place where they feel comfortable talking about their health care and that they have the privacy that they need. So I actually think that's an interesting question about security and privacy because it's sometimes we don't think about how sometimes new technologies can actually maybe even enhance the the security just simply by for example adding video right that's a great perspective uh and an interesting take so while telehealth is increasing access to care there are still challenges when it comes to the digital divide how are you working to bridge tech gaps for veterans that live in rural areas or may not have access to smart devices yeah sarah that's a great question and i think this gets to really ultimately gets to the question of equity the digital divide is an issue of healthcare equity. Are we providing the same opportunities for all veterans to connect to care? And you know there are challenges that exist, particularly in rural America, but frankly, challenges with access, whether it's access to the right type of technologies you mentioned, having access to a smart device, access to sufficient broadband internet and that whether that's being able to afford sufficient broadband internet or even having access to sufficient broadband internet in one's community. Um, these are really important issues and we often I think wrap these up and describe them as the digital divide and we in VA have spent a lot of time thinking about that. I think I'll highlight three initiatives. Um, the first is something that we call the Digital Divide Consult, and uh, this is something I'm I'm particularly proud of that VA has done. I'm sitting here doing this interview today with you from my clinic examination room, where I was actually seeing patients from my primary care panel this morning. Um, and if uh, one of my patients came in and saw me and had a, a particularly challenging 
cardiology related issue uh, that I needed help from a subspecialist or somebody else to help me uh, resolve within the electronic health record, I could enter a cardiology consultation or sometimes those are referred as referrals, uh, but I could ask uh, for help and the electronic health record would then you know, deliver that to the right office where somebody would reach out to the patient and get them scheduled for an evaluation and then I, as the primary care provider, would get the report back about how things had gone, and we would deliver the services to veterans in that way. So it's that. So the 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 con, the idea of being able to put a consult or referral in is is really part of how healthcare systems operate, and is the way providers think. And we've been able to introduce across the entire VA a consult that is the DA digital divide consult. So just like I can order uh, or ask for assistance from cardiology or rheumatology or general surgery, I can also put in a request for help from the digital divide consult team. And I can do this um, for a patient um, who is struggling to get connected with us for whatever reason, access to technology, access to sufficient broadband internet, as an example. And they are then able to meet with a VA social worker who can help that veteran determine if they might be eligible for certain programs that offer free or discounted internet services. For example, the FCC's Affordable Connectivity Program, the FCC's Lifeline Program, or some local program in the community. Um, and in addition, they're able to assess whether the veteran might benefit from a device that we provide to them, which I'll talk about as kind of the second initiative. Digital divide consults in, in fiscal year 22, we completed over 41,000 digital divide consults, which I think is really shows a commitment to say, this is something that you know matters um, and is important as other parts of healthcare is, is that connection or access. Um, one piece of what the digital divide process, divide console can help get veterans connected to is the um, VA connected devices program or um, where we loan tablets, um, internet connected tablets um, to uh, patients to allow them to connect when they don't have access to the device or the internet that they need. We loaned, um, we've loaned uh, more than 110,000 veterans um, a tablet in fiscal year 2020. Two, uh, the veteran is able to use that tablet while they need to be connecting for healthcare, and then can return it to the VA, where we're able to um, then reuse that tablet for another veteran who needs to connect. Um, and we've seen some great results um, in as we've researched and looked at the outcome of this. Uh, we did a study that was published in April of 2022 that looked at over 470,000 veterans living in rural areas. Um, and we found that those who received a VA tablet were more likely to complete the full course of mental health care treatment um, via video um, that was recommended based on evidence, um, that there was actually increased uh, attendance and visits across all modalities, both in-person and video care, and reduced um, suicidal um, thinking, behavior, and emergency department visits. Um, so real outcomes by providing that connectivity. And then the third area I'll talk about with regard to equity and digital divide are partnerships that we have with AT&T, SafeLink by TrackPhone, T-Mobile, and Verizon. 
that allow veterans to connect by video to us on their mobile devices without paying data charges. Um, so if there is a, for those who have a, a, a plan where there may be an additional cost um, for the amount of data usage, you, connecting by VA Video Connect through one of our telehealth visits doesn't count against that. Um, again, increasing uh, the affordability for veterans of their ability to connect to healthcare. We're going to take a break from today's interview and play a game I call Archive Deep Dive, where I challenge our hosts to identify a previous guest on our podcast. Playing today are senior researcher Sarah Seibert and staff writer researcher Catherine McPhail. Hi, everyone. Hi, Alex. Hi, Alex. Here are the rules. I will play the clip. And if you know the answer, buzz in using a buzzword. Today's buzzword is transformation. If you get it wrong, the other player gets a chance to guess. If neither of you get the answer, I open the floor to random guessing until somebody gets it right, or I give up and tell you. There are three clips today. Are you ready? Yes, maybe. <laughs> Do I sound more excited that time? <laughs> See, before we started this one, Sarah, you said that you wanted to, like, get into a fight. You want us to be, like, angry and mad. I, Catherine suggested a brawl. Mm -hmm. Oh, Catherine so suggested a brawl. So I mm -hmm. countered with a verbal argument. <laughs> well, you know, tensions run high playing Archive Deep Dive, so let's hope that it doesn't turn to fisticuffs. <gasps> I'm here to win, not to have fun. Well, with Archive Deep Dive, no one ever has fun. So let's go with clip number one. I'm sure for those of you that are out there listening to these health casts, you've probably come to know that NIH is comprised of 27 institutes and centers. And one of those is CIT. And while most NIH institutes and centers have a specific research agenda, such as conducting or supporting research on cancer or aging, you know, the role CIT plays in the enterprise is a little bit different. Transformation? Yes. Is it Jyothi Dugar? No. <sighs> is she from CIT? This person is from CIT. Right. Yes. I don't know, Jyothi. I don't know. You're NIH girly. Well, actually, <laughs> Nikki is NIH. <laughs> So this is probably Nikki's episode. Um, innovation. Yes. I know Nikki did an episode with Susan Gregaric. That is incorrect. Oh, man. It is somebody from NIH's Center for IT. My other hint is that this is before Nikki's time. This is from season two. So Melissa. Oh, Question mark, maybe. Hmm. Mm. Time is this episode <laughs> from? Don't look at my laptop. Catherine's going to give up. it a goog. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 the, the verbal harassment or argument is about to begin. <laughs> okay, so. Dude, I, actually I actually didn't see. I have stop, no idea what it, it is. Stop. Okay. 
December of 2021. Nikki was with us for that. Nikki was here for like... Okay, I'd been here for a month. A couple months. So I guess maybe I should know what this is. If it was going to be before my time, I was like, Alex, how do you expect me to know this? I still think it was Melissa that did the interview. Oh, I do. I do think it was Melissa that did this interview. But no, I don't. I don't know who it is. Alex? Melissa can't help you now. It is... Stacy Album, oh. deputy director, and I set her for IT. <laughs> oh okay. my god! Of course, it's Stacy. Wow. Uh, Sorry, Stacy. <laughs> All right, on to our next clip. Well, you know, our, our big initiative right now is that we are planning on behalf of the VA the Brain Summit which is uh, intended to be essentially a small uh, academic conference or technical conference thrown by the uh, VA, that this will be a three-day meeting in September in the Washington, D.C. area from September 7th through 9th. Um, and the intention is that we will explore how artificial intelligence is applied in various different domains that we sort of call total brain health. Transformation. Yes. Is it Raphael Frick? It is Raphael Friggs, Associate Director for AI and Medical Imaging at the VA. Now, bonus question, which appearance is this? Is this the live appearance or is this the studio, um, quote unquote, studio? Wow. Um, Fun fact. I've never interviewed him before. (laughs) I just knew it wasn't Gil. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I would guess that it is not the live recording unless we got mic upgrades since then. (laughs) No, (laughs) no, that that was just a traditional HealthCast interview with Raphael Fricks. Excellent job. All right. The last one, Catherine, you could come in to tie this all up. Oh, gosh, the pressure is mounting. She won't, though. Whoa. <laughs> Sorry. You can cut that. I was just trying to Josh because of a verbal <laughs> argument. <laughs> no, I I whoa, whoa, the sparring. Ah. You better watch out, Sarah. I'm <laughs> coming for you. <laughs> well, don't trip over yourselves to answer this one first because you definitely know this person. Well, you know, the, the National Artificial Intelligence Transformation. Oh, Gil Alterovitz. Oh, my Yes, director <laughs> of National Artificial Intelligence Institute. I guess the bonus question on top of this is Gil has been on this podcast like three times. Which appearance is this? This is the second most recent. Not the super most recent <laughs> on the, the AI. Super most recent? The super most recent was on the AI Bill of Rights. The second most recent was the AI, National AI Network. That's correct. Well done. All right. You know, it got a little heated. Do you all think you can still be friends after this? <sighs> I have it in my heart to still be your friend, Sarah. You too. Okay. <laughs> wow. This is good. HealthCast and Archive deep dive at once, tearing us apart, but also bringing us together. What a great way to wrap up this game. Thank you both for playing. And now back to the episode. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Alex.
So VA has made a lot of progress with telehealth since the onset of COVID-19. What are some areas that you could still continue to grow or progress? And how do you envision the future of telehealth? Yeah. So, you know, I think we, I think in many ways, the, you know, telehealth has been something um, has been an important part of the healthcare journey for, frankly, all healthcare systems in America. But certainly, the pandemic and the requirement, uh, sort of the sudden reliance on telehealth for care, has opened the eyes of really many of us as Americans to the value that telehealth can bring in enhancing a more traditional model of healthcare delivery. I don't think it will. I mean, it will never replace um, traditional in-person care um, because there are some things that have to be done in person. But thinking creatively about how technology can, how we can increasingly have that sort of just right blend of virtual care and traditional in-person care that optimizes outcomes for patients, but also in it improves the experience, the efficiency, and the convenience of healthcare. Um, frankly, also increasing the ability for us to connect maybe more frequently for shorter interventions um, uh, than um, traditional in-person care allows. And so I think there is just a lot of opportunity still to think about that blend, what should that look like? And what are some of the new um, technical, you know, technologies that can, can, can enhance that blend between in-home virtual care and then traditional in-person care? And so, you know, an example of that might be how we think about integrating more patient-generated health data into care delivery. So um, health data, whether that be from a wearable device, um, whether that be self-entered by a veteran based on prompting from, let's say a text message or a mobile app or something of that sort, collecting that patient-generated health data in a, more of a continuous fashion, and then helping that inform healthcare and recommendations um, between a provider and, and patient is an area where we see an, an awful lot of opportunity uh, for growth and uh, are doing a lot of work in preparation um, for that. We, over the last year, have really been scaling out the use, for example, of, uh, of a new application called My VA Images. It's a great example where, um, where if there's a... a a need for this is really a, an asynchronous form of telehealth where I can prescribe and ask for one of my veteran patients to send me a short form video of uh, of how you know of their gait walking in the home or let's say a tremor or uh, a rash that they have from a dermatologic perspective or or something um, where an image collected maybe even regularly over time would help make better clinical decisions either at the next video visit 
at the next clinic visit or actually even in real time. And so starting to think about how um, things like patient-generated health data, um, asynchronous image exchange uh, can improve um, healthcare overall, to me, is an area where there's a significant opportunity for growth. Right. That's really exciting. And maybe we can touch base in the future on uh, how those continue to evolve. Absolutely. So as more people are using the internet to access their healthcare and information, how is the VA ensuring that veterans can reliably access their health records or other key information online? Yeah. Yeah, this is super important. And I um, I guess I, I'd start out by saying that we've had a longstanding commitment to, to veterans that we would we want them to have the ability to connect to their health information online and to connect with us online. Since launching my Healthy Vet, our our online patient portal, in 2003, over six million users have used my Healthy Vet to access their VA healthcare online, filling more than 219 million prescriptions, sending over 163 million secure email messages to their healthcare teams downloading their records to review their health information more than 54 million times. So there has been, again, a long-standing um, commitment uh, to um, making sure that health information is available to veterans, but also that we're delivering, um, that we're increasingly thinking about how to deliver the ability to transact and 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 communicate with us in the VA online. And I guess one of the exciting, I mentioned it earlier, is uh, our flagship mobile app, the VA Health and Benefits app, is something that we've released um, over the, over, and released in our, and are continuing to, to grow over the last year plus. As of this past December, we've seen over 1.1 million app downloads and are seeing more than 500,000 active users on an average month and interestingly seeing uh, you know a lot of interest on uh, for veterans not surprisingly to say you know, it's important for me to be able to access my information online it's just as important for me to access my information in a convenient way on a modern mobile device and so i think in answer to your question as more people are using the internet to access their healthcare and information we're going to continue to deliver great web experiences, but most people are also, you know, many, many people, in fact, probably the majority of people are accessing the internet more often these days from a mobile device. And so we're committed as well to continuing to improve and enhance what we deliver through mobile applications. Uh, and again, the flagship mobile app is a great example of that, the VA Health and Benefits app. Yeah, that's funny you mentioned that. Just yesterday afternoon, I had an interview on the Health and Benefits app, and it's really incredible how everything is so centralized, uh, and it's a great tool for veterans. So I know you've outlined some of the areas for growth, but over the coming year, what will be some of your top goals or priorities for the Office of Connected Care? Yeah. Well, you know, one of the top priorities for the Veterans Health Administration is providing the soonest and best care for veterans. That's one of our several priorities, super important one. Uh, and it's, I think, the one that Connected Care is best mapped to uh, when we think about what can telehealth, what can mobile health 
capabilities like we've been talking about, what can patient portals, what can patient use of patient-generated health data enhance. It's really about that making those connections, um, providing soonest and best care. And we think about that, you know, I like the, the, the within the office of connected care, we think of uh, this is, it's really thinking about what it means to deliver healthcare without walls. Um, thinking about and continuing to expand the reach that we have connecting with veterans in their home. And we've talked about video care. We've talked about uh, mobile applications. We've talked about our online presence, my healthy vet, our patient portal. Um, we've talked about remote home monitoring, continuing to expand patient generated health data, that, that footprint in the home. But also when we talk about delivering healthcare without walls, it's also about make, you know, leveraging the incredible resources um, that we have within uh, the Department of Veterans Affairs um, with really remarkable healthcare expertise across our health system and making sure that we are getting, uh, that we're using technology to connect veterans, even when they're in our facilities with, uh, with, with providers who can help meet their needs. So it's, it's, I would say just to sum up, our top goals are to keep pushing ahead um, with, with driving our vision of using technology to deliver trusted care that is available anytime and anywhere for veterans to help them connect to the soonest and best care for them. Yeah, that's a great closing quote. And I appreciate how in-depth you went with all these questions. It's really exciting to see how you're continuing to close that digital divide and provide uh, some of these more modern health solutions to all veterans. So thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Sarah. This has been fun. That was a great conversation, Sarah. Before we let our listeners go, are there any last thoughts or highlights that you want to leave them with? Yeah, I think telehealth came around because of the immediate need for it, but now providers and patients are seeing the benefits, whether there is a pandemic or not. <laughs> so it's not just going to go away as COVID hopefully <laughs> goes away. And this will be something that they'll continually build out and improve to make sure that patients everywhere are able to access their providers and their personal information in the best way they can. Definitely. I know that there were so many changes just on a fundamental level that happened almost three years ago at this point. And a lot of them have been initiatives that I think we're long overdue. And I hope we can just keep this momentum going and continue to provide the best healthcare possible. That's yeah. right. Me too. Before three years ago, I was working in an office, uh, going to doctor's appointments in person. And now I'm sitting here with you on a virtual meeting and have telehealth appointments. I love it. <laughs> we really are living in the future. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. That wraps up today's HealthCast, but have no fear. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, please subscribe to HealthCast and leave a review on the podcast platform of your choice. 
I'm Alexander Bolova. I'm Sarah Seibert. Thank you for listening. HealthCast, along with GovCast and CyberCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at govcio.com.